fertile fields of flatlands and hills raised by anything, whatever a farmer can dream. Slug burgers, shrimp ball, catfish fried up in oil. Oh, good gosh, you're mighty, just a husk of hot tamale now. This is the Only One Shot Golf Podcast, and I'm Jim Gallagher Jr., and I'll be your host. We're going to do something a little different than we've done in some of our past podcasts. We're going to dedicate this one to the late George Bryan, who founded Old Waverly Golf Club and Mossy Oak Golf Club in West Point, Mississippi. He had a vision that very few have. Sometimes we felt like he was bigger than life, and we saw this legendary business leader impact so many lives, not only in his hometown of West Point, but the entire state of Mississippi as well. Mr. Bryan loved the Lord, his family, his friends, and of course, his two great golf courses, Old Waverly and Mossy Oak, both in West Point. He was a graduate of Mississippi State in 1968, but he actually started his business career in 1964 with Bryan Foods, the West Point-based beet manufacturing company. In 1974, he became the president just a few years after Sarah Lee Corp. acquired the company. He was named Sarah Lee's Corporation's Senior Vice President in 1983, and then on to CEO for Sarah Lee. But his passion and vision was to build one of the South's premier golf destinations in his home state, in his hometown of West Point. Back then, the population was only about 10,000 people. So he sought out Jerry Pate, who was designing golf courses at that time, had been playing the PGA Tour, won a U.S. Open, great player. He had really kind of just gotten into the business. And Jerry tells the story that Mr. Bryan calls him over to fly over to Memphis, drive down and see the property that he wants to build this golf course on. Jerry also said, you know what, let's go to the Alabama-Memphis game. I've got some tickets. We'll look at the land and we'll go up there and make a day of it. So they do. And they drive around in an old Jeep. And believe me, when Jerry first saw the property, he knew he had something special to work with. They went up to the game and had a great day. And that's where the dream began. Bob Cup and Jerry got to work on their masterpiece, and it opened in September of 1988. Six years later, they hosted the 1994 SEC Women's Golf Championships. But Mr. Bryan had a bigger vision and has had his sights on bringing the USGA into this home state, into West Point, to host a premier event, the Women's U.S. Open. And guess what? In 1999, the best in the women's game made their way to West Point, Mississippi. NBC did the coverage, and Julie Engstrom was her champion, proving that Old Waverly in the state of Mississippi could put on a national championship and showcase not only Old Waverly, but that good old Mississippi hospitality. They also hosted the 2006 Women's Mid-Am, the 2007 SEC Women's Golf Championship returned, and in 2019, the U.S. Women's Amateur. It has consistently been a top 100 golf course in the United States. But Mr. Bryan wasn't done there. He had always wanted to build a second golf course to complement Old Waverly. He also wanted to have a home and build a home for the Mississippi State men's and women's golf programs. And he wanted to do it there on the course he was talking about building. So he brought in Gil Hands, who had just finished the Olympic golf course in Rio for the Olympic Games. And in 2016, it opened By 2018, it was a top 100 best modern golf courses and home to both the men's and women's golf programs at Mississippi State. Both those teams right now are ranked in the top 25, 
He always loved to give back to his alma mater and to everybody in Mississippi. Let's talk about Mr. Bryan's impact on my life and the entire Gallagher family. In 1989, Mr. Bryan gave Sissy and I an honorary membership to Old Waverly. I'd gotten my card back for about the third time. I'd been playing on tour for about five years. Sissy and I were newlyweds. She had just gotten her LPGA card, both traveling, both the LPGA and the PGA tours. But we were so busy, we didn't get to enjoy Old Waverly like we do now. He gave a couple of folks who didn't have trophies on the wall for winning on their tours yet. He gave us a place to feel like we were welcome, a place to feel like it was home. And I'll always be thankful. He's always been one of my biggest supporters as my career continued to blossom. And Sissy actually regained her amateur status, winning 12 Mississippi women's state amateurs. I remember in 1999, he wanted her to play in the U.S. Open so bad, but she was pregnant with Elizabeth, our youngest, and wasn't able to play. We later bought a condo over there, and I remember we would drive over, and when you drive up to that lane at the Magnolia Drive, and you see that beautiful clubhouse, you feel like you're home. Mr. Bryan had a personality and charisma that, like I said, was bigger than life. He was a giver and a server, not a taker. I remember one day we were out hitting golf balls, and I saw him, and he was hitting it right and left-handed. I thought to myself, what is he doing? So I asked him, Mr. Bryan, why two sets of clubs? Well, one day I hit it better right, the other day I hit it better left. A lot of it went back to when he played baseball and when his dad opened West Point Country Club. They didn't have a lot of left-handed clubs. He was left-handed, so he played right-handed. That was one of the fun stories I had with him. And every time you came over, he had his hands on everything. He was paying attention to the details. That's one of the great things that made him so amazing. Whether it was cooking hot dogs and hamburgers on the grill for the members and their guests, or just saying hello to anybody that walked on the property. I had slowed down my playing days, and Mr. Bryan had said, you know what? I'm on the board at the FedEx St. Jude. It's the 50th anniversary, and you need to be playing. I said, well, Mr. Bryan, I need an exemption. My 10-year exemption for winning has expired. Well, phone call later, I was in. Always be thankful for Mr. Bryan once again giving me a chance. I remember when my oldest daughter went over to Mississippi State to play for the Lady Bulldogs. And he would always be checking on her, making sure she was all right, encouraging her every time he saw her. Kathleen, my other daughter, actually won her first Mississippi State Amateur title over LPGA great Allie Ewing. And he won it, she won it at Old Waverly. I know he was proud of both of my girls, and he always made them feel special and won a special place for Kathleen to get her first win. Even better than that, Mary Langdon was actually on the bag caddying for her. The economic impact that he had on West Point and his surrounding areas has been incredible. This part of the state is thriving, and a big part of that is his passion and business sense. He reached out to everyone around the southeast, the state, and we all should be thankful for Mr. Bryan and his influence on our entire state, not just the West Point area. I remember years ago, Mr. Bryan gave my son Thomas his first job. Thomas started working at Old Waverly and was on the hands-on in the initial stages of the Mossy Oak Golf Course. They would drive around the property several times, and Thomas said he always enjoyed listening to Mr. Bryan, telling what he had planned, explaining that vision. We'll hear from Thomas later in the podcast. I think you're going to enjoy some of those. He spent the next couple years manager of the outside operations. He ran the caddy program, and he was the first person you saw when you arrived at Mossy Oak and the last one you saw when you left. I'll always be grateful 
for the kindness and love he had for Thomas in my entire family. Unfortunately, Mr. Bryan had a stroke, and it really broke my heart for he and his family. I was later, a couple years later, inducted into the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame in July of 2022. I got a text from a good friend who said they were working on a way to get Mr. Bryan a ride down to see Coach Davis and Bob Tyler and I be inducted for that special night. I'll never forget this as long as I live, is when I walked in there and there was Mr. Bryan sitting in that wheelchair, drove all the way down there to watch us be inducted. That to this day will something I will always treasure. I truly love the man. We will never be able to repay Mr. Bryan for his kindness, most of all his love for my family, but we will make every effort to keep his dream alive, to keep old Waverly and Mossy Oak going. His legacy will live on for a long time. We're going to hear from a lot of people who knew Mr. Bryan personally, some that worked for him, some that worked with him, and some who were impacted in his life. And, and I can't wait to hear from them and, and some of the stories that he has. Um, and I'm going to start with Wilkes Bryan, his son. Uh, no one knew him any better that, that we're going to have on the podcast than Wilkes. Uh, he was his right-hand man the whole time, and, and, and he just has some amazing things to say, I'm sure, about his dad. And I can't wait for you all to hear it and, uh, and his impact on his life and, and what he thinks his legacy will be. Well, my first guest, as I mentioned, is uh, Wilkes Bryan, and no one knows Mr. Bryan any better than uh, Wilkes. And uh, let's welcome Wilkes to the podcast. Wilkes, uh, I know it's early. appreciate hey, you spending Jim. some time with us. Hey, Jim. Thanks for having me. I uh, love the podcast. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, we, we were talking to a bunch of our, our friends that knew your dad, and, and, and so many of our guests are, are talking about his generosity, his loyalty, and the amazing vision he always had to keep things better for everyone, not only in West Point, uh, but the whole state of Mississippi. How would you describe your dad? Yeah, I mean, I got to see it from a, you know, a different angle, a different lens, so to speak, a little bit, you know, because, you know, I was, uh, you know, uh, kind of, you know, being obviously his son, but I mean, it, it was, uh, you know, just seeing it from that side of it. But I did always notice that his, he was, uh, you know, when it came down to business, he was business, but he, uh, but he was also very, you know, empathetic. You know, he um, he treated everybody fair. You know, and um, so that, that was the, the most things that I saw about him. If, if he if he saw that you were somebody that was willing to try, that he was more than willing to give you a chance. Yeah, I, he seemed bigger than life at times. But when you met him, he just was a normal guy. You would have had no idea. He was just like you said. He treated everybody the same. Uh, I know you've got a lot of memories, some you, some that <laughs> uh, I, I know yeah. a few of we've talked about, but uh, any special moments? I remember, you know, a lot of them around golf, but just your family stuff. Any special moments that kind of stood out? There's so many I know in your life, but any that stood out that you'd like to share with us? Well, there's, there's, a, there's a lot, but I mean, you know, my dad and I, we kind of had a little bit of a rivalry, you know, sometimes in, in business, you know, which can, which can happen in father-son relationships, you know. And, and, and you know, uh, I loved him, and, and, and I know he loved me. But uh, sometimes in business, we would, you know, we would kind of get after each other a little bit. And I remember one day I pulled up to the pro shop, and and uh, he was standing there. I think he was about to drive back to Memphis. And uh, I said, "Are you heading back?" And he just looked at me and he said, Ain't "Nobody out here doing anything." <laughs> and he goes, <laughs> and he pointed, and he goes, "Including you." And he turned around and got the car and drove off. <laughs> <laughs> that was him 
That was him, a man of yeah, few words. He would always answer, you know, a question uh, with a question. Mm-hmm. You know? So one time, and at one time, I remember it was about this is back when we had answering machines, you know, in the early nineties. So I mean, and he called, and, I, and I'm living in the house behind one green, and he called, and the answering machine going off, and it's about ten o'clock in the morning, and I and I'm kind of, uh, you know, and I'd stayed up at the clubhouse the night before pretty late, so. Uh, Anyway, he, uh, the answer machine went off, and it, and it was like, Wilkes, are you there? He's like, you get your, you know what, up here. He goes, uh, we are out of hot dogs. He goes, we kill 6,000 hogs a day, two miles from here as a crow flies. That's 100 million pounds a week, and we don't have a hot dog in this clubhouse. That just blows my mind. And I was, <laughs> and I was, uh. And so I was, um, you know, at the, while the answer machine was going on, I was, you know, you know putting on my pants. And I, you know, I fell a couple of times, you know, and, and I was about halfway up one fairway, you know, and then he was still, I could, he was probably still talking, but we, we, we definitely, uh, we, we took care of that. It never happened again. He, you know, I, I remember they were doing a demo day and he's out cooking the hot dogs. It was the best hot dog I've ever put in my mouth, by the way. But I mean, that was his, he was hands on. Yeah. He just loved to do that. He loved to to cook and and because I mean, you know, he, he, you can remember the, some of the commercials in the nineties that he did. But I mean, to him, that was a way to relate to other people, you know. And it is obviously we do that. You know, we sit down at our holidays and we eat with our family. But but to him, it was a way to communicate with everybody. You know. I think Archie Manning said his first uh, endorsement deal might have been Brian Brothers, or one yeah, of his first ones. That's right. I remember. I remember Johnny Muzo, you know, played for Alabama, mm-hmm. come over to the house when I was 12, 12, 10 or eleven years old. I remember Walter Payton, yeah, coming up to the to, to the house. And I'm sorry, I get a little emotional. No, I get that, it. But just 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 growing just growing up and being a part of that, being able to see everything he did and the people that he touched, you know, it touched me. Oh, absolutely. I think the cool one of the cool moments, and I remember when he opened Old Waverly, and he gave Sissy and I an honorary membership. I had one on the tour. She had just gotten her card. We didn't have, you know, he didn't have any reason to do that, but he treated us from that day on like we were special. Yeah. Uh, and it, you know, I always felt that way. But the coolest thing, and I remember in 99, where the talk was before that, that he was going to try to get the U.S. Women's Open to Old Waverly, and everybody right. thought... This man, crazy. There's no way the USGA is going to bring a national championship there. And by the Lord, he did. He brought it in there. It was first class. I remember driving in. I did a junior clinic, I think, Tuesday on the back of the range. And I sat there and I went, oh, my gosh, this is like – this is a national championship in West Point, Mississippi. He had that vision. NBC covered it. Julie Engster won. I mean, they had a a U.S. Women's Am, uh, a Mid-Am. I mean, he just – when he had a vision and he went out and he got it and people respected him for it. He, if he if he got if he got you know something on his mind that he was going to get done, he was going to do it. And he just had that special ability to get people to rally around him, you know, because they wanted to 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 I guess you know to be there. And because I mean you know that was the way it was. I remember when we made that presentation in 1995 at the uh, at the, the, Bil- the Biltmore out in Colorado Springs. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where we were. And I remember we were going to make a presentation to the USGA in 1995 to get the women's open, to hopefully get the women's open at 99. And I didn't have, and I forgot my tie. He was like, you don't have a tie? And I was like, I forgot it. He's like, cheapest creepers. 
like, <laughs> so I went down to the I went down to the lobby and I bought one of those Western bolos. Oh boy! <laughs> and I put it on, and, and and he goes, "Well, that'll work." So we went in there, and, and, <laughs> and I think I think in some way it might have thrown him off a little bit, but but it helped us get it. Right? Well, they thought country came awesome. to town here. Here comes Mississippi. We're going to put a U.S. Women's Open here in this great state, and they did. The impact it had, right. in his impact, is just the economic impact, and you can see it. And I remember when he, they closed Bryan Brothers. It really hurt him. But mm-hmm. look at the things that are around there now. That part of the state's growing, and that was a lot of his vision, and I think – you know, we're all thankful for that. And I think, what, like you said, I, one of the things that was always impressive, and I hear from people, when you drive in, it's first class, but you feel like home. Isn't that something he really stressed mm-hmm. with you all? It is, and I, and I get texts, you know, like that all the time from, from friends and that come in and they say, every time I come down this side, it's like I feel like I'm a burning home. That's what they tell me. It is. I'm telling you. I, I, I remember he kept wanting us to buy, come over and come over, and I was always traveling. And then when I finally started coming over, it was just like, what have I missed? And I missed a lot of those times. And I was playing a lot, and then when I, my career kind of slowed down. And I just remember my Mary Langdon, who played at State, every day he was checking on her, encouraging her, and, and just kind of you know keeping an eye on her. And then Kathleen wins her first uh, you or state am at, at, at old Waverly. Mm-hmm. And so, so many things over there are, are so amazing that, that we're always going to be thankful. Uh, but I think one thing that really touched me the most is when I was inducted into the Mississippi sports hall of fame after your dad's stroke mm-hmm. and he drove down in the wheelchair that, and I know he loved Kurt, yeah. coach Davis and, and Bob Tyler, but that was a, a special moment. And he always was thinking even after that stroke and trying to find a way to get better and, oh. and do it and make every, I think what the, the coolest part is, he wanted not he wanted to make you better and find a way to help you make better. Don't you think that was part of his greatest one of his greatest no, traits? There's, there's no question about it. I mean, that's what he was. He even said that when he was in the wheelchair the last year of his life. He said, "I'm trying to learn something new every day." Yeah, you know? yeah, and there's not <laughs> a lot of us don't do that. I mean, I've always yeah. asked people, "What do you think his legacy will be?" Uh, and it's right in front of us. We're living it, and we got to keep that dream alive. Um, oh yeah, we're going, and that's what that's that's what we're going to do. A lot of people are going, well, what's going on with Old Waverly now? I don't see up now. I'm like, what? what? What do you mean? What's going on? We're going to keep going. We're going to care. We're going to do what we got to do to keep this going. This legacy going. Where do you see Old Waverly and Mossy Oak in the next ten years? I mean, I know you don't have the crystal ball, think, but yeah. Well, I think well, we we have some work to do on uh, in Old Waverly. We, you know, we're going to have to eventually redo our greens, you know, because they'll be coming up on their 25-year cycle to redo them, you know, because we did them, we redid them in 08 at Waverly, and, uh, and Mossy Oak is really mature and very good, mm-hmm. it's so different, different than Waverly, they complement each other very well, because, you know, they're just two different, it's just two different types of golf, and, and so it took us, look, it took us about 15 years to get Oh, Waverly, uh, to where we wanted, you know, to where we were satisfied with mm-hmm. it. And then my dad, you're, you're, in some aspects, you're never satisfied with it because you're always saying, well, why don't we put a bunker over here or take this bunker out over here or this tree's gotten too big, let's take it out. So it's always a work in process. And so with Mossy Oak, we feel that we, we've been doing that a little bit over the last five years, you know, uh, and uh, we're getting it. We're tweaking it every year, getting it better and better. It's already a great golf course. We're gonna get it. 
we're going to get it better and better and better. It's the same format, footprint that we did with Old Waverly. And so Old Waverly, you know, in 10 years, I just see it, I see it being a better course. We're going to add a little distance to it. It's going to be, it's just going to, we're just going to make it better as far as tournaments, things like that coming. I mean, we're not really committing to anything like that right now because we, because of these improvements that we're going to make. So we're just kind of going to, we're, we're in that pattern right now. Yeah. People, I, people, I, and I think that's know. what he would want. I think that's what, what he would yeah. want. Uh, you know, what would you think he would want his legacy to be? And he wasn't into legacies and all that thing. Uh, that, yeah, that wasn't I mean, important to him. No, his legacy would be for us to for us to get, to make sure that we made it better, and for the next generation to to make it better. You know, he, he wasn't really too concerned about himself or anything like that. He was always, you know, just just trying to, you know, about trying to make it make things better. And what can we do here? What can we do there? So, like you're right, he was always thinking. His mind was always. That's why I always want to answer a question with a question. Mm, yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of truth to that when you think about when you said that. I, I think one of the things, and, and we'll finish up on this, about junior golf, that was his passion. Mm-hmm. And and you see what VJ and Tim and y'all have built uh, at Old Waverly and the kids that have come out of there. You know he's got to be mm-hmm. proud of what he's uh, how, where that's going. Oh, I, I think so. I mean, it's, I think it's, it, it's, it's amazing to see what all these uh, junior golfers have done. But and they've gone out and earned it in the dirt too. You know, mm-hmm. he he provided that, he provided that uh, that forge. You know, and and uh, I think uh, maybe Hunter Atkins is one of the first ones that started. You know, back back in the early two thousands, yep. and it, we've just. We just, we're going to keep catapulting, you know, from there. You know, my son's in the ninth grade. I think Jacob's going to Ole Miss. He's a Jacob Blanton. He's, then you got Jackson Cook. And, and so there's a lot of, you know, players that are, that have a lot of potential. And I think, you know, it's not necessarily about going and being this great golf pro, you know, out on tour. It's just that golf, it, it provides you you know, all the lessons that you need in life. If you're not playing golf, if you're in a business, you know, all those things, integrity, honesty, all those things, you know, so that's, that's what he would be most proud of is teaching the, the, the junior golfers, all those qualities. Absolutely. Well, Wilkes, I appreciate you spending some time with us. Uh, I know it's getting cold in Mississippi. We got to stay warm, but uh, uh, this is going to be fun. I'm going to get VJ on. There's a great story. Uh, you'll have to listen to the podcast. He tells the story when he was talking about building the uh, facility they have on the back, and I know you were in that meeting, but it's a funny one. But yeah. uh, thanks remember, for yeah. you remember it. But we're we're going to tease yeah. our listeners, and they're going to have to continue <laughs> to listen to the podcast. But thanks for spending a little time with us, and uh, stay warm over there. Uh, will do. Thank you, Jim. We appreciate uh, Wilk spending a lot of time with us. I know that was an emotional uh, conversation we had. So many great memories with his dad. But uh, next, we're going to hear from VJ Trollio, the teaching professional at Old Waverly. He's got some great stories, and I can't wait for you to to listen to him and uh, the impact he had, Mr. Bryan had on his life. We'll hear from VJ in just a minute. Uh, today, we've got VJ. Trolio, the teaching professional at Old Waverly, he's worked there for many, many years, and and uh, we appreciate VJ jumping in here and, and some comments on uh, some of the memories with Mr. Bryant. But uh, Vij, thanks for joining us today. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thanks for yeah. Thanks for having me. Do you remember the first time you met him, and what was your impression? 
I was scared. Really? Yeah. It was George Bryan. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, I remember walking over to him and, and introdu- obviously introduced myself. I worked here at the time. Um, and uh, he just seemed like a just a little bit bigger in life, you know. I mean, he, he was obviously one of the great executives of, of – you know, nationally, right? Just a, a tremendous, him and his brother, just tremendous growth of, of Brian Foods. And um, obviously he was the owner here at Old Waverly and single owner. And, um, you know, I was, yeah, I was a little nervous. And um, and then, you know, luckily he became one of the, one of my best mentors, right? Um, it just, him and Miss Marsha both, um, and the whole Brian family. But Mr. George was, um, I was lucky enough to be able to ask him anything I needed to ask him, um, and he would always give me a truthful answer. So I, w- I was very fortunate. That was a good way to describe him. Uh, what, what set him apart from most? You know, because he was successful, but you wouldn't have known it when you were around him. He's such a he such kind a man. Yeah, he had such a reputation as um, a great executive, a great businessman, um, a, a, a gentleman – you know, a, a Southern gentleman had such a reputation professionally um, that, you know, it, it was wild, right? You, you had no, it was just like another planet. The places that he had been to, I, I remember I went to Scotland with Mr. George and a group of guys, and he talked about how he used to fly over there, um, you know, three or four times a month because they had, they had yards. Um, they had business mm-hmm. overseas, and so he, he was just—you know—he was—he was a world traveler. He was one of the top top executives in the country, and um, he never left. He never left West Point, right? I mean, he he came back to where him and his family were were from, and he laid down Old Waverly, laid down Mossy Oak, and um, laid down a vision for what what world class golf could be in in the South. Any special moment that you can remember, and maybe the impact uh, that he's had on you? Oh, I so many, um, so many. I, I remember one of the one one of the pivotal moments of of me and my family, and where my family ended up being um, was here. And there was a there was a meeting. It was when we it was in two thousand and one or two. And I had proposed us building a indoor center on the south end of the T here at Waverly. And um, we went to a board meeting. And you, you got to remember, I mean, I've been here for like a year and a half. You know? <laughs> I, I've, been teach- I've been teaching on the back of the range. Um, you know, <laughs> it, was, it was crazy. But anyway, I was teaching on the back of the range. And, and uh, they said, "Well, we're going to go in here. We're going to be. We're going to. We're going to meet on this and vote on this. Uh, George is in town. Wilkes is here, and so we're going to all go in this room and we're going to meet." So I walked in there with every department head. It was just, I mean, real estate. Every department head that was there: agronomy, real estate, weddings, food and beverage, golf shops. You name it. They were all in there. It must have been fourteen people around the room. And and um, Bill Colorado, our old general manager, he said, "Well, VJ, why don't you stand up and." Uh, and you know, pitch your idea, so to speak, because we're going to vote on this. And I was just as nervous <laughs> as I could be. And Mr. George, Mr. George, and Wilkes 
Wilkes was sitting to Mr. George's right, and, and, and Mr. George was sitting on the far end of the table, and I'm standing up, and I kind of read through something. My voice probably cracks, you know. And uh, they said, well, all right, we're going to take the vote. They said, um, Bill said, all those uh, in favor of the new teaching center on the back of the range here at Old Waverly, please raise your hand. And there was only two people that raised their hand. Only two. Who were they? It was, it was Mr. Brian, it was Mr. George, and Wilkes. And uh, and then everybody kind of started laughing. And I didn't know what they were <laughs> laughing about. I was like, why is everybody laughing? Why is everybody laughing? And they said, well, BJ, we don't need to take a vote on how many don't want to do it. As long as Mr. George and Wilkes want to do it. It's, it's going. It's a done deal. It's a done deal. That's awesome. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, you know, there's just – there's. There's hundreds, right? There's hundreds. But um, what a special, special man, and what a special family to this community. How about him bringing the Women's U.S. Open and so many USGA how events? About, I mean, how about – talk about a vision. Come on. In 1999, they have the Women's Open here. And then they have the Mid-Am here. What, what year was that? Disney played in it. You caddied for it. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, they had that. 2007? That sounds about right. And then they had the U.S. Women's Am. 2019. Yeah. So, I mean, they literally had the women's open, the women's am, the women's mid-am. Um, it's just amazing. Um, do you remember when the hand, the handicap? Do you remember the handicap yep. when it was? Yep. Um, but he remember he used to do when Heather Farr died, he, he had the uh, Palmer House, and he had all yep. those LPGA players when he was on the board of Sara Lee, and he had them all come in. I mean, Nancy Lopez, Julie Inkster. I mean, they all, these top players came back. Uh, yeah. And, and they just – it wasn't just us in West Point or in Mississippi. It was all over the country, his in, impact yeah. and how he loved golf. I, I think that's that's one of the things that – I mean, it just amazed me, the vision he had. And then he had a vision of a second golf course, Mossy Oak, yeah. which is across the street. I remember he, he gave my son Thomas his first job. And mm-hmm. riding around with him, he had a vision. I'm going like, what's he talking about? This just looks like a cow pasture to me. And it turned out to be what it turned out. It's just amazing. Yeah. yeah, it is amazing. You know, he was, he, he was one of those few people that you could be around. Um, and I remember feeling this. I remember, I remember feeling this um, years and years ago that you, you felt like you could accomplish almost anything. And, and Mr. George was not one of those guys that, you know, you'd go to and he would just cut a check for it. Right. Right. And, Sometimes I, sometimes you'd be around Mr. George, and he he wouldn't feel, feel like that was a good idea. But it was it was amazing because he would take an idea, or he would take a we'd call it he would take an idea, and he would turn it into a vision. Mm-hmm. And then if that vision wasn't accomplishable, then he would divert off that without being phased by it, without mm-hmm. be, without even being phased. He would divert from that vision and alter it some. And then try to grow that vision, and it, and it was just amazing to see him because he he never, he, he was never scared to have ideas, and he was never scared of people to have ideas, and he was never scared of failing. He was never he was it was he never let me be scared of failing. No, he's you know, always he, encouraging. He, he, I, he was, and, my and kids, he was, yeah. yes, everybody's yeah. Huge goals. He did. I mean, the bigger the goal, the bigger the vision, the better. And, and and if you didn't achieve it, then you were still 
you were still somebody um, a little different because you tried so hard to achieve it. You mentioned and, you mentioned growing the game, and we've done podcasts about growing yeah. the game. Oh my Junior Golf. I it mean, exist. it wouldn't even exist in this area without Mr. George. Yeah, you're right. And when I say this area, I mean this this whole um, this whole little enclave of land between Jackson and and Tupelo. Oh, it goes bigger. Right? It's bigger than that, even. But you're right. I mean, yeah. we've seen what what has happened at Old Waverly and the kids playing D1 and the tour yeah. players that come out of that whole part of it. It's just yeah. uh, it, we didn't have when I moved here. And Sissy and I got married. There were a couple good golf courses. Waverly had just opened. I remember Mr. Brian calling me. He says, you need to come over, and it's cart paths only. And I was like, man, I don't want to be on the cart paths. It had bent greens. Yeah. But once I finally came over and started experiencing it, and I missed it for a lot of years in my prime, and I was like, why didn't I come over here earlier? And now, you know, I've got a condo over there, and I spend a lot of time. Of course, three of my kids went to Mississippi State. But it's like a home away from home. It's like when you come in, I'm Magnolia – on the drive there, you don't feel you feel like oh my gosh, I'm going to Augusta, but you feel family and you feel wanted or welcomed. I think that's one of the things. Yeah. It's first class, but welcome. I think that was one of the cool things that that mm-hmm. they they do that there, and, and I hope that vision stays with him. But yeah. I, I, you talked about the teaching center. One thing I did not know until one day, I've seen Mr. Brian cook hot dogs for people on demo day. Best <laughs> hot dog you ever put in your mouth, by the that's way. Right. Uh, but He's playing right-handed, and I don't know. The next day, he's got left-handed clubs. I'm going, what the heck? You gave him, you you gave him lessons. What was it like? Well, he he was. Uh, let's say that let's say that when he's when his father, because his father built West Point Country Club. Okay. His father, when his father, this may not be perfectly correct, but this is pretty close. When his father built West Point Country Club at that time, it was very hard to get your hands on left-handed golf clubs. Correct. And so Mr. George learned to play golf right-handed, even though he played baseball left-handed. Gotcha. So Mr. George was he had, he had played most sports left-handed. He would just he had just learned to play golf right-handed, and so um, he created a little bit more speed as he got older. He could create a little bit more speed and hit the ball further off the tee left-handed, and so he would he would hit it right feet you know he'd hop on the tee box left-handed and smoke it down the fairway and then he'd get over an iron and uh, hit it right <laughs> i know i watched it i played with him i know it. i saw it yeah <laughs> I, i'd give him golf lessons and um and it was wild right you know the it coolest thing i think back of all the things he did for my family is when i got into the uh mississippi sports hall of fame and he'd had a stroke and yeah. he found a way to get there with his wheelchair and I'm sure tearing up there. talking about it right now. Wow. Yeah. That was overwhelming for me. Yeah. That was just yeah. that's just who the man was. What will his legacy be? That's a tough one. You know, uh Mr. George, there is no telling how many people that he inspired. There's no telling. And so, um, you know, I don't I don't know what his legacy is gonna be. Um I'm I'm not the person to answer that, but I am, I am, um, I will say for sure that he, his, his legacy for a lot of us will be inspiration. Correct. Vision and inspiration. Don't be afraid to chase your dream. That's right. He, he did sure it. Well, Vige, I appreciate you. A few comments and stories on Mr. Brian. We're going to get a few more folks on this podcast, but, uh, I know he touched a lot of lives. I know he touched yours. He's a very special man. 
He was. Certainly was. Well, my next guest is uh, Thomas Gallagher, my son, who uh, spent a lot of time with Mr. Brian, worked for Mr. Brian. He actually got his first job with Mr. Brian. Thomas, uh, appreciate you spending some time. Uh, we're going to honor uh, Mr. George Brian and go back through some great memories today. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. Well, you won your state high school championship. Uh, actually, your sister was on the team with you at Old Waverly, so I know it's a special place for them uh, as well, and everybody was on that team. But uh, in college, you actually did a paper uh, for, I think, a journalism class, and, and you did an interview with Mr. Brian. What was that like? Yeah, so I guess, I mean, starting out growing up at Old Waverly and, um, and getting to to play and visit it was such a cool thing for our family to kind of a little uh an escape i guess um kind of a vacation spot because we love golf so much and so so many fun memories um you know growing up and i I never spent a ton of time around mr brian when we would go um but yeah that first kind of introduction to who he was and just getting to know him was um when i had a yeah it was the journalism class in college and so I was tasked with basically finding like interesting people to interview. And, um, and I was like, you know what, I need to give Mr. Brian, Mr. George a call and see, um, see if he'd be interested in, in telling me his kind of life story. And, and so, you know, he, he basically, once I called him and he obviously said, yes, he, he was never going to say no really to anything. And so, um, he kind of cleared his whole schedule and, this was, it was probably like 2014 or 2015. And so Mossy Oak, the ground had kind of um, just been broken. And so they were um, doing a lot of work to it. So I got to drive the property and um, and we basically just talked about his upbringing in West Point and um, how his dad started the first golf course, the first nine hole course at in West Point, um, West Point Country Club. And so that was such a cool, um, cool day honestly i'll never forget it and i don't know if that um kind of sparked his interest in in wanting to hire me um you know to work at the golf course how as would, operations manager how but, would you describe mr bryant to those that didn't know him i mean number one he was such a stoic person um but at the same time he was so down to earth and um you know he he had every right to you know, kind of boast with all the accomplishments and accolades that he had. And, um, but he, you know, he would wear, he would wear blue jeans and, and tennis shoes to work, um, with a golf polo. So he, uh, very rarely do you find a, an owner of a golf course that showed up in blue jeans. And so, um, I always respected him for kind of keeping, keeping his roots, um, and, and always staying grounded, even though, you know, he, he was so accomplished. Do you think that's what set him apart from so many successful people is he treated everybody the same equally and, and no ego involved? Oh, I think, I mean, anyone who knows or knew him um, would a hundred percent say that like he, he treated everybody the same, whether it was, you know, CEO of a, you know, multi-million dollar company or, you know, a caddy who, uh, who had only been there for a couple of weeks. He, he took time to really, um, to talk to those people regardless of their status, um, or, or class. So he cared so much about people. And, um, and then I think that's honestly what made him so successful is just, 
how he connected and and grew in his relationships. It's kind of a culture in West Point that he kind of created over there. His family did with all the success. You mentioned Mossy Oak and, and Toxie Hayes and Hayes Outdoors and, and, and the companies that have been there. I mean, it's kind of that culture to, to work hard to succeed. I think he passed that on to so many people. Uh, but, you know, when you look back after that interview, you then went to work for him. You first worked at Old, at Old Waverly, and then you spent time at the initial ground... <laughs> breaking days at Masioka as the outside operations manager. Uh, you know, what kind of influence and impact did he have on you while you worked for him? I know you knew him as a kid and you did the interview, but now you're working for the man. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was those moments of doing your first job. I mean, anybody would say, like, you're you're learning a ton, um, you know, doing your first – having your first gig. But to, to get to start a golf course um, and be in charge with all the – um, the PR and the marketing and just the infrastructure of like um, of starting the business um, and, and trying to figure out how we were going to find a caddy program and find all these caddies um, to come to work in, in cart poise because we were already struggling to find guys at Old Waverly. Um, but luckily, um, Mr. Brown's vision, you know, always came um, to fruition. I know um, you had some cool caddy stories from those early days, uh, and I'm sure some of those involved Mr. Brian. And, and I think uh, when I look back, you caddied for him a few times, and uh, there's a picture that Daniel Hayes took of uh, you and Mr. Brian on the 18th uh, green there at Mossy Oak that I know uh, is one that I'll always uh, remember. I know it's one you tre- treasure. Oh, 100%. I'll never forget caddying for Mr. Brian that day. I think Boyce Adams also was was, uh, was playing too, and it was just an afternoon. He, Mr. Brown rarely played like middle of the day. One because he worked so hard, and so he would, you know, he'd take off his blue jeans and put on his golf shorts and uh, and put on his golf shoes and, and show up about um, just before sundown so he'd catch a a quick nine or um, or an eighteen. So that day was one I'll never forget. Um, you know, Daniel captured that really cool photo. And I, um, <clears throat> I actually sent it to Mr. Boyce whenever, um, I guess maybe right after Mr. Brown's funeral. And, um, and I'm pretty sure Boyce had it framed up maybe that week after, cause it was such a special moment. So I'm glad Daniel, um, captured was there that, that day. Uh, he was a hands-on guy. Uh, I remember, you know, going over there and they had a demo day and he's cooking burgers and hot dogs for the folks at uh, Old Waverly. And by the way, the best hot dog you ever put in your mouth. Of course, that was the business they started. <laughs> but uh, some of the hands-on things I think you've mentioned to me, it's how the towel was even folded. And, and you'd see that white expedition, Ford expedition coming up the road. What were the guys that were working there? I know you were always on top of it, but what were some of the reactions when they saw the old white expedition coming down the lane? Yeah, I mean, you... Uh you can you could expect basically you know no matter the scenario he was uh he was paying attention to all the details whether it was like you said folding folding the towels correctly going into the golf cart um or a pen or sorry a pencil was you know facing the wrong way or there was a tee missing out of the golf cart he would always he would always notice that one cart that um you know was was not was not the same as the others and so um he was sharp and I think that's what made him so successful because he cared about the details and, um, and even like outside of business, he cared about people so much. And, um, 
and just his relationships with others and and he cared about the details of his conversations and um and just the details of what were going on and in everyone's, you know, in, in their own life. What do you take from that, from Mr. Brian, some of the stuff that those influence, you know, the details, because that's had to help you in, in now your career. Uh, what are some of the things that you learned from him that now you're using in your career uh, at Camp Alpine? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely those three years, almost four that I spent, were just the motivation to... Um, you know, kind of work on, on a brand. Um, cause we were obviously Mossy Oak had its own brand, but kind of starting this golf course was one that was really cool to, to see how it was perceived by, by others. But I think it, when it all boiled down to it, it was the people, you know, that made it so special. And, and those are the people that, um, you know, are at all Waverly too. Um, that, and the reason why people go, go visit. So even now in my own career, I mean, it's it's all about relationships and and treating um, treating everybody the same and and so it's been it's been really cool to to kind of use those those moments that I learned and um, you know at, at Mossy Oak but um, you know just just growing in in relationships with others and connecting you know to to really know somebody and um, pursue them and pursue them well. What do you think, Mr. Brian's legacy is going to be, or what is it now? Yeah, I mean, if uh, if anybody had the chance to go to his, uh, you know, to his ceremony, um, I think, you know, everybody was impacted by it. It was a really cool day to to celebrate his life, and um, and so I think number one, I mean, he cared so much about his family. I think, you know, everybody everybody that knew him knew um, that his family was such a big part of his um, of his story and, and really just the, the people, um, you know, the impact that he, goodness, he knew so many people, um, throughout the, the world and, um, and, and the impact that he made on so many people, um, because he, like I said, going back to the details, like he cared about being intentional with, um, with everybody that he came in contact with. So, um, his legacy is, is are, I guess, are the people that, um, you know, that are going to remember him and, and tell his story even even when he's um, not with us. Well, and he had a stroke um, several years ago, a couple of years ago before he passed. And I remember I got a phone call. I, I was inducted into the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame with uh, Coach Davis, Coach Tyler, and big Mississippi yeah. State guys. I know Mr. Brian was. And they said that they're going to find a way to get Mr. Brian there. He's going to get him down in the wheelchair and the van. And I'll never forget that day. I know you were there uh, and you mm-hmm. got to see him first. But how about that? This is a man who has had a stroke and he's going to make the effort to come down to, to be there for our in, in, induction and be part of that special night. And it made it even more special. And I guess the amazing thing was he stayed there the whole night. Uh, and it's just a, it's a lot to say about the man and how much, uh, he cared about us. And, and I know you were there. I know that was a big impact on you as well. Oh, I know that night was so special. And for him to, to just have the, the physical strength to make it was just a miracle in and of itself. And I'll, I'm in the same boat as you. I'll never forget, um, him showing up that day. And, um, and I'm definitely forever indebted to, um, for him, to him for, for everything that he did for me. 
I know we sure miss him. Uh, he was a big part of your life, big part of our life. Thomas, appreciate uh, the kind words you've had to say about Mr. Uh, Mr. George, one of the uh, unique guys and did so much for not just West Point, uh, but for the entire state of Mississippi in the game of golf. Uh, he brought the U.S. Women's Open in 1999 when people didn't think he could, and he showed what good old Mississippi hospitality was like, showcased Old Waverly. Everybody knows the name Old Waverly and Mossy Oak. But thanks for spending some time with us today. Always a pleasure, brother. My next guest is uh, the CEO and founder of uh, Hayes Outdoors, as many of us know, the Mossy Oak Camo Company. And, of course, they've got into real estate and many other things. But uh, he actually worked for Mr. Brian at uh, Brian Brothers Foods. His dad did as well uh, before uh, starting and founding uh, Mossy Oak. And then he had an idea about, you know, camouflage. And I think he's one of those guys that uh, when we talk about a culture in West Point and things that Mr. Brian and the people Mr. Brian impacted, uh, I would say Toxie is definitely one of those. He would tell you that too. So I look forward to uh, hearing from him. This is uh, a guy that's been really, really uh, a big part of the Mossy Oak Golf Club, uh, Nature's Golf. And I know uh, y'all going to want to hear from him and some of the things he has, uh, some of his great memories of Mr. Brian. So I look forward to getting Toxie on the, uh, on the podcast. Well, with that being said, uh, let's welcome Toxie Hayes to the podcast. Toxie, I appreciate you taking some time this time. This time of your very busy time for you. Uh, you know it is, but um, not 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 so much, uh, especially as I've gotten a little gray in the hairs, or actually not just gray, but uh, less hairs. <laughs> but um, you know, this particular topic is something I want to drop anything to do. It's, it's totally my honor. You know, you started working for uh, Brian Brothers, Mr. Brian, and uh, your dad did as well. You started with them. Do you remember the first time you met him, and what was that first impression like? Uh, you know, um, he was bigger than life to a mm. lot of people, just the family name and all, but he was so approachable. One of his many gifts was, and even as he was even younger, um, you know, if you spent time with him especially even if you were a stranger he was so curious and so um empathetic i guess too that he he want to know what you had going on and you know what how'd you how'd you think of that and what made you do this and you know the next thing you know like a lot of great men i've been around uh that have that gift you kind of walk away hey you know i feel pretty good about myself you know he just had a way of being so interested in everybody. And it didn't matter, you know, he didn't really rank them. Uh -uh. Uh, like, you know, this guy's famous or wealthy. Although we all, you know, we all kind of near over to people that are known and whatever. But uh, he was just a rare, great-hearted man. Uh, he just was. He had great vision, and, and he always encouraged people to pursue their yeah. dreams. You founded Mossy Oak in 1986, the camo company. Did you ever discuss the idea with him? And, and if so, uh, what was his initial reaction? You know, I did not. Um, you know, I was the way. I mean, he, he was at, you know, he was at Brian for a while. And then um, he did. He was responsible. He had been to my dad and said, look, I want to try to find two or three, you know, people that are college graduates and, you know, have some ties, family ties to the company and, and you know, have them kind of go through a management training course and then see how they turn out i love you know i love to see that you know our succession would include some people like that so he was responsible for showing interest in me through my dad and uh for me going to work there you know i was very interested in the business uh, 
but um, I, you know, he wasn't um, he wasn't there long because he got plucked out and, and moved to Memphis right. to be over a, the whole meat group, which was a whole. He actually was in charge of acquiring, and they acquired quite a few other meat businesses and grew it uh, substantially. So I'd see him um, from time to time, but it was more. It was just. You know, sometimes the people you're not around a lot make the biggest impression. He was just so uh, reserved and quiet. So when he spoke, it held a lot more gravity uh, sometimes. One of my favorite stories was watching him. He appeared in the daily product review for Brian, and they would actually have their QC, R&D, very buttoned up, even way back then, uh, prepare um, meat samples from every lot produced the day before and it's a big place you know like mm-hmm. a million hot dogs a week and that kind of production and so they're in there and this head of sales uh who kind of you know he was you know like a lot of places he was kind of a, a bully and you know this is what i got to do you got to do it this way for me to sell it and so forth well he was going on about the spice and the hot dogs he was very opinionated i told y'all this is the spice i want i told you <laughs> how to get there and so you know, all of a sudden, boom, George appears in the room. He didn't say much. He just went through the process. He spoke to everybody, and he was checking out what was going on. And it was kind of he, – he noticed there was a little bit of a skirmish, you know. And he's like, well, what's going on here? And this guy just said, I told them if they want me to sell, you know, what, a million hot dogs a week, they got to get off of their duster, and they got to change this spice. And this is the way I like them and whatever. And I never forgot it. taught me an invaluable, like, consumer marketing lesson. Uh, listen to him and he got real quiet and George said I tell you what when you can eat every hot dog we produce <laughs> we'll make them just like you want them but until then we're going to rely on research from the marketing department and what our customers want and until then we're going to make them with the spice our customers prefer but don't forget now if you think you can eat them all we'll do it just like you want we walked out and I mean you know there's a lot of sarcasm in that but it really taught me a lesson like he was just so steeped in common sense, mm-hmm. you know, most of the time, it, you know, and um, it struck me, and I think it's always stuck with me, too. Yeah, Thomas talks about him and the details, even though how they folded towels in the right direction, the pencil going into Wilkes talks about it. He would answer a question with a question. He was always yeah. trying to, to make you think, and I think that's the cool part. A lot of people don't remember this, or we do, but you all sponsored me on the PGA Tour with a camouflage golf oh, bag. Oh, I do. And, I remember it well. It was a huge thing for us. Well, first turn, yeah. the first event, I'm playing paired with Tiger Woods. Can't get much bigger than that. No. And, and, and no, so, it was great. You had, the, you had the Mossy Oak original breakup golf yep, bag. Yep. How famous. Yeah, sure did, and it's it, it it to this day it's amazing, you know, kind of when you look back at it, you guys were in golf, but in 2016 they opened Mossy Oak Golf Club, and Mr. Bryant approached you, know, you. Why did you get into golf, and 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 what was the know, reason? Everybody, yeah, everybody asked me. Oh, I didn't know you were in the golf business. Well, I actually am not in the golf business per se. Well, I am now, but um, you know, but I am in the West Point business. Yes, and so. You know, our town is so special, and especially a lot of that is due to the Bryan family, and especially George himself. And, you know, just had, honestly, you, you everybody talks about his vision. The one thing that will separate, you know, a lot of people have vision, and, you know, people talk about my vision all the time, whatever's way overrated. But um, the difference, you know, George, and a lot of people, and that's what separated George, wasn't just his vision. 
but he acted on it. Yes. I mean, he had a vision, and then he was just compulsive almost about bringing that vision to life. And, you know, he was so good at it. He was so good in orchestrating the Army and getting everybody moving and doing. He was a brilliant manager of people. Um, but he he didn't um, he didn't really – at first it was just like Bill Sugg, which you know, who's mm-hmm. our president, who's been my brother-in-law, who's been with me since we started. And he's a big golfer, too, um, and a friend of George's. He one day said, you know, George called me. And I said, really, what, what about it? He said, well, you, you're going to probably not believe this, but, you know, you may have heard he's working on the concept of a new golf course there. I said, well, yeah, I've kind of caught a drift of that. No, he said, well, he's wanting to know if you might be interested in naming it Mossy Oak. And I was like, get out of here. Are you serious? He's like, yeah, he's very serious about that. So. Yeah, I mean, let's let's talk. You know, get him. Let's get a meeting. Let's talk about. It. So he was, and what had happened was he was kind of struggling with what to name his concept. And they thought about, you know, names of the native Indians from this area and some different things. And his uh, brother-in-law is Kenny Deal, which you know, mm-hmm. a great man, the mayor of West Point, probably our greatest mayor ever, uh, and a great man. Uh, also, great common sense. And he had said something, to George. Hey, did you ever think about? asking Toxie about using the Mossy Oak name. And so he just liked it from the beginning. One thing about George and Marcia, too, they were always so gracious and let me know they were proud of, you know, the little boy from West Point, you know, being able to do all this. And it gave me great pride that they were proud of me. Always meant the world to me. So yeah. when he, you know, one thing led to another when we talked about it. I said, well, you know what? Just so you know, I would like for you to come down to our office and let my team kind of show you the whole breadth of the brand. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure you realize everything we have going on and just, you know, and he had somebody else with him. I don't even remember who it was then. And they came down and listened to the brand presentation. He was just so excited. And he was like, this is perfect. This is exactly what we need. And then the next thing, you know, we're helping with some of the formation stuff and the marketing and the marks and the logos and a little bit of the strategy behind that. Cause the marketing stuff is what we do even though it wasn't in golf. Um, and, you know, quite honestly, we've always had great permission. I'm going to regress a little bit, but uh, since you you are in golf and you do golf, and we have sponsored you in golf and you saw the results of that, back in that day, you know, we even had a uh, TV show on the Golf Channel. Sure did. Second season. Yep. And so we got the data from the PGA, and 74% of all the touring pros at that time Stated either hunting or fishing as their favorite pastime outside of golf. So there's a huge crossover, not just with the touring pros, but probably to a lesser degree, but still a huge crossover between golfers and, you know, love of the outdoors, hunting and fishing. And so, which honestly makes sense. And I said all the time, actually, when you go play golf, you're more than you're playing against another person, you're playing against nature. Yeah. You know, and the way someone designed a golf course outside. So anyway, it made sense from a lot of fronts, but especially because I was so honored he would ask me to be his partner in bringing this golf course course to fruition. So one thing led to another, and we got all wrapped up in everything, including partnership on the land and everything. Well, so, um, you know, my father or my dad asked my father-in-law, Ed Beeks, he said, you know, Jim needs a hobby. And quickly, when I moved here, you 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 got the hobby, and it was hunting, and I I fell in love with it, and it's you know it's been something I've done since Sissy and I've been married for over thirty years. You're right, there's a crossover there, 
and and it's nothing yeah. better than sitting there. And I know you sat there on the at the clubhouse and seen the sunsets at Mossy Oak and how oh, it, amazing they are. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And honestly, you know, that's where we had the, the as you know, we had that, you know, memorial ceremony for him. That's where he wanted it, was mm-hmm. the Mossy Oak Clubhouse. And that spot there um, will always be pretty spiritual to me. You know, not just, A, for the blessings of God that we were able to put something like that together right here by where I live and in my hometown, and that it was with someone we all love so much in George. Absolutely. The bagpipes coming down the fairway is something. It gives me chills now thinking about it. Uh, oh, there's my God. no it's question. Incredible. He impacted. I, I, I can feel I can feel them every time I go out. There. Oh, it, it, absolutely. I mean, we, we bought a condo over there two or three years ago, and I remember he kept trying to get us to come over. He gave us an honorary membership uh, when Sissy and I were first married. He didn't have any reason to do that, but he wow. did. Uh, and we've yep. you know, we've got to enjoy it. It's like a second home, and you're right. I mean, he's impacted so many people, and you talk about there's a culture in West Point. I think he kind of created it to go have a dream and then, and then go live it and work hard to achieve it. But what do you think his legacy will be? I mean, you know, there's no one legacy. Clearly, um, carving a complete, you know, uh, gold nugget gem out of, Cal Pasture, West Point, however mm-hmm. you want to say that, a small town of 8,000 or whatever we are. Um, you know, clearly that is so almost revolutionary for us in this area. I mean, you know, almost any, and this is me, Brian, almost any rating service, all the big ones, Mossy Oak and O Waverly will be, sometimes they're one and two, but they're always in the top three rating of all the golf courses in the entire state of mississippi and we're sitting right here next to each other brother mm-hmm. and sister golf courses all due to him that's going to be that but then um you got to pair alongside the, the legacy with he and his brother who was so brilliant with what they did and sarah lee and so much of that funneling itself back to uh, uh you know the, the betterment of our town i mean the backbone of all them, unfortunately, uh, when Johnny and George retired, they closed the plant here, and that did we did lose a lot of jobs then. But there's so much that will live for generations in our community because of him, and because of the, the just crazy success they had uh, building Sarah Lee Corporation for many years. I guess maybe 30 years or more. So you know, those are those are two things. But then it's just people. When you you saw at his memorial mm-hmm. service. A thousand people from all over the globe. Yep. Uh, I remember um, he took me one weekend. I got a, you know, he would he would do stuff, and you finally realize after the fact he only did it for you, not for himself. But he said, "Come go dove hunting with me." Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, "Okay." I mean, you know, I was kind of busy, and <clears throat> I'm bad one only kind of go hunting if it's on my own place. I have. <laughs> But I was like, yeah, he wants to go dove hunting. I'll go with him. He said, no, I need someone to drive with me. I'm going up to Memphis and uh, really kind of out from South Haven there. And, and uh, anyway, and so, sure, I'll go. You know, it was like a week or two. And he checked on me for you still go. Yeah, I said, all right, it's going to be a Sunday afternoon. I'll, I'll come by there. And I said, well, I'll just come get you, and I'll, we'll take my truck up there. And uh, anyway, turns out he's taking me up there to go hunting with Fred Smith. Oh, jeez. I know you know who that yes. is. Yes. You know, the founder, the founder of FedEx. Exactly. And so the reason I'm telling the story, one to brag about, I got to meet Mr. Fred, who was an incredible man, just an incredible man. 
but I was just going to say that while I was there, he was so friendly and engaging and, you know, he knew all about what I had going on. His like manager, land manager, real estate manager, uh, from, uh, that Memphis area. And I got to visit and, you know, took interest in what all he had going on there. And he made the comment. I said something. And he said, he looked at me, he said, let me tell you something. Mr. Fred's got a lot of friends, but he loves him some George Bryant. I think George may be his favorite person. Wow. And you know, that's just the way he was with so many people. Uh, he was just, uh, I said this speaking at his memorial service. He, on top of all this other stuff, he was just cool mm-hmm. to be around. It's always fun. He always had a super slow, dry wit. It was so funny. Um, and he was living life, uh, having fun, you know, but he was always looking out for everybody else. So true. Thomas said that. He said, you know, he remembers him walking in in blue jeans, a golf shirt. He goes, what guy owns a golf course? And just that's who he was. But I'll tell you one story, and I'll let you go because I know you're so busy. But after his stroke, and you're right, he was still teasing me even after his stroke. And he, I, I got a call when I got inducted into the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame, and I repeat this in this podcast because it touched me so much. But he found a way to have him driven down to be there for Coach Davis and Coach Tyler and I for our uh, induction on our special night. And he stayed the entire night, Toxie. And I wow. know that had to be uncomfortable. That just speaks to the volume of the man and how much he loved all of us. I know we all love him and we all miss him uh, dearly. And you're right. When you walk on the properties, either at Mossy Oak or Old Waverly, his spirit is there. But I appreciate you being it with is. us. And, and uh, uh, I'm definitely going to get you on a podcast. We'll do a whole podcast on that and we'll relive some of those other memories too as well. Yeah, not to mention also, uh, and you talked to BJ, I understand, um, the legacy, the last other legacy is like the golf and the golf training. That was the yep. nearest and dearest to him of almost all of it, almost over the golf course, is literally right at the top in the entire United States. Yep. Yep. You're and, right. And uh, I just want to say that he was so I – mean, one of the first questions he ever asked me is like, what's your succession plan? What do you envision, you know, a generation or two from now? He was such a visionary, he was looking beyond his own lifetime, too. Mm-hmm. And so he was so driven to have the best training. And honestly, uh, they don't. it doesn't exist better than B.J. and the way he is with these kids and Tim. They're incredible. Uh, but that was such a priority for him. And so I just want to make that comment about extraordinary vision goes beyond, you know, I can see something we can build next year. Yeah, He was seeing the game for everybody else here long after he was gone. He started with uh, Old Waverly. He brought the Women's U.S. Open in 99. Mossy Oak, yep. the kids, I mean, Oak Hill Academy was as good a high school golf team with VJ and Tim, you know, teaching all those kids. And you're seeing kids now playing the LPGA, yep. the PGA Tour, the Corn Ferry, college yep. golf. And you're right, that was his vision, and it's going to continue. That dream's going to continue. It's unbelievable. The talent they're putting out there, they, they could be, honestly, if they rank them, they could be the best golf program. Our little tiny private school here, they hadn't lost a match in like six or seven years. No, they were shooting crazy low numbers. And, that, and yeah, I know they won, they, won, they won the state championship by 83 strokes. I know. I know. And I, and I know Mr. And he, Mr. Bryan's got grandkids now that are, you know, part of that dream. I think that's the cool part. Wells is at Vandy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's incredible. You know, and that's all because. That meant the most to him with those kids because he knew that was the future too. 
Absolutely. Well, Toxie, I appreciate you spending some time with us uh, and, and reliving some great memories uh, with, with Mr. Brian. Yes. Thank you so much. My honor. Wow, how cool was that? Great to have Toxie Hayes uh, uh, telling, giving us some great uh, stories and memories of Mr. Brian and, and the success, success that Toxie's had in his career. I appreciate everybody listening uh, today. Uh, we wanted to honor Mr. Brian, or I did, and, and my family and everybody that knew him. And some great uh, stories about the man. He was just such an impactful person, uh, bigger than life, as many have said. But we'll never be able to repay Mr. Brian for all his kindness. And most of all, I can't thank him enough for the love for my family and the encouragement he's always given us. Uh, we'll make every effort to keep his dream alive at Old Waverly and Mossy Oak and continue uh, with his legacy. His legacy will live on for a long time. We love you, Mr. Brian, and we miss you. We one Mississippi where there's a magnolia tree. Two Mississippi while a mockingbird sings out on its limb. Oh, and what a sweet soul for him. I said three Mississippi to this land called home. I bleed Mississippi till I'm dead and gone. Won't you carry on? I'll carry on. Mississippi. Mississippi.